Who cares what they say? We're gonna do it our way, like Sinatra or Burger King. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host Rachel Polanski. Um, was just jamming out a little bit in my head to uh, some songs from the new hit Peacock show, Girls Five Eva. Truly obsessed. Um, it all came out on Thursday. Let's just um whenever this comes out. Also, apologies for the random drop schedule. Um, hopefully, you know, better late than never. Sometimes we just take a little bit longer with editing and other things and life gets in the way, but we're getting it to you eventually and better late than never. Um, so yeah, Girls 5 Ever, freaking fantastic. Um, it is the story of a 2000s girl group um, band named Girls by Veva. The band is made up of the incredible Busy Phillips, um, Paula Pell, and Renee Elise Goldsberry, who's um, probably best known as Angelica, I think, from Hamilton. Not really a Hamilton stan here, but she has an incredible voice. So if you're like a huge Hamilton musical fan, you'll love this. And then rounded out by, um, why am I blanking on who the law? Oh, Sarah Bareilles. <laughs> Sarah Bareilles, of course. So it's like got this great mix of actual musical joy and like the chemistry between the cast and the band members while also being, you know, this sort of funny social commentary on what it was like to be a girl group and just sort of like a product of the machine in the early 2000s. It is produced by Tina Fey, created by uh, Maria Scordino or Scordano or Maria, I am butchering that now I need to look it up. Um and so anyways the songs in it are like freaking bangers they released a soundtrack with most of the songs from the show that are that kind of just appear in snippets or flashbacks um a couple of the songs are played in full on the show but either way the soundtrack has been fueling me i already want to rewatch the show um there's eight episodes and they're each under 30 minutes so they're pretty quick but there's a lot packed into them so even though i like tried my best to like pay full attention and absorb it all um i'm definitely due and ready for a rewatch. um now let me just get the creator's name um meredith scardino i was close um it's also the tina fey and her husband jeff richmond who are the composing and musical duo behind mean girls the musical which is also a fan fave and erica henningson and ashley park um who are the og katie and gretchen respectively in the mean girls musical which i have still yet to see live but will one day um, they are both in also in it for reasons I won't explain, but they're part of the original Girls 5 Eva. Um, and so they appear on the soundtrack quite a few times and it's just in my head and fun and, and like inspiring me to do some like unironic but ironic TikToks, which is like a whole other thing that we don't have to get into. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, but the beauty of releasing these episodes a little bit later and recording a little bit later in the week is that we get sometimes get six books instead of five books. Um, one, because I have read more than seven books sometimes by the time I record, just because we're, I've kind of just been doing it a little more sporadically as opposed to having a set schedule, which kind of actually ends up working better for me. I don't feel like obligated and tied and feeling like I have to do it or edit or record and have a specific moment. So um, if you're used to them coming out on Sundays, maybe we'll get back to that. But for now, just stay tuned. It's kind of a surprise when it's going <laughs> when it's going to drop in your uh, in your feed or on your in your subscription box. Um, so yes, we get six books. Um, I'm going to tie two together, the first two, simply because they both are the sort of um, light mystery, um, rom-com-y type. One is definitely a little more um, mystery-focused. One's a little more romance-focused. Um, they are both told from stories of 
um, first-generation American women whose families have immigrated from other countries, um, and they are also written by women who have had similar experiences. And then the titles just kind of match together. So you'll see where I'm going with this. <laughs> um, the first one that I have to talk about for you is Dial A for Aunties by Jess Q. Sutano, and I hope I am not butchering that. I apologize. Um, so this one is just a fun novel. Um, Medellin Chan is our main character. She has this group of aunties um, who have come from the Chinese Indonesian culture um, that she has grown up in. They are um, they move to America. They all have their own children. She is involved in her family. Um, they are just constantly trying to set her up. She's been single for a long time um, because she had a heartbreak from, yeah, who, what was it? This isn't Liam. I'm really trying to remember. Yeah, right, I'm trying to remember. Uh, basically, it's sort of like a Agatha Christie uh, situational comedy gone, like what else can go wrong? Long story short, she acts, She goes on a first date with a guy that her aunts have set her up with. Circumstances lead her to accidentally killing him. Other circumstances lead him to accidentally, like, his body traveling with them on the island that they've traveled to to help with a catering situation. So she's thrown into this sort of, like, high-pressure, high-stakes wedding situation, made all the fact worse by the fact that there's a dead body. Um, both of these stories definitely, you know, deal with murder and deal with crime in a lighter manner. But I think because they're so self-aware, because they are so tongue-in-cheek and, like, meant to be light while still, I mean often the people, you know, spoiler alert, that the people who die in these books are, these two books are, you know, not exactly the best people. That doesn't necessarily justify their death, but it's usually some sort of, like, you know, the the death is, these characters are really just nothing more than a plot point, and they're fiction. You know, they're not based on anything real. They are purely fun, imaginative escapism. Um, so that one was definitely a little more fun and uh, focused on the romance between um, the main character, Medi, and her trying to navigate um, running into her ex-love from college and this sort of secret romance that she hid from her family. Now her family is extremely involved in her life, literally in this present moment, because they are trying to help figure out what to do with this body and with this murder. Um, and both of these stories, you know, obviously are because they're this escapism, magical fantasy tie up in a nice little bow, but not so nicely because I think both of these are the first to the start of a series. Um, this one is the, I don't know, the they both like had um, excerpts of the next one coming, which is great because that means they're already on the way. So that's Dial A for aunties. The next one is Arsenic and Adobo. You'll see they're both just sort of like A tight A for A's. Um, oh, and then <laughs> by, um, before I forget, by Mia P. Manansala. Again, sorry if that is the wrong pronunciation. Um, this one is also based around food, also based around a love of family and the messes you get into and the ties that bind you and the secrets that are far more important than like actually, you know, doing what's right in your heart versus like sometimes what your head might logically say, but like you know that your family is like stronger than anything. Um, so this one is just a little more focused on the, the murder um, concept because um, as opposed to like the first one, Dialy for Aunties, where it's the, the wedding is happening and then the murderer sort of tangential and misses that up. Here, the murder is the main focus, but the murder is messing up everything else because um, Lila's family, our main character, they she works and helps um, run Tita Rosie's kitchen and her aunts are all involved with that as well. Um, except in this series, they are, um, they are, blah, 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 can't one of, 
another ex comes into her past. This time he's murdered at their restaurant. Um, that sets off a bunch of sort of repercussions and other murderers and twists and turns. Lila and her family are suspects, of course, because it happened at their restaurant. Because both of these stories are told from the protagonist's point of view, you know, we understand and know that they didn't do it. And of course, there's not going to be a twist in that aspect, but it is kind of fun to, you know, play who done it and play detective along with our protagonists who are literally trying to clear their names or trying to like bring the truth and justice to light. And it's um, in this case, you know, because there was a murder that happened at their store, they're already be- at their restaurant, they're already behind on bills. Um, it pretty much comes down to either they have to solve the murder and figure out what happened or they lose their restaurant and sort of their whole life. Um, Lila is very well developed. She has a super fun, cute little dog named Longansia, um, which I, again, butchering the pronunciation, but that's um, how you say sausage in Filipina and she Filipino and she has a sausage um you know sausage wiener dog uh longansia and she calls nisa longansia longanisa longanisa please uh correct me if i'm wrong which i probably am longanisa her dog son nisa who's like this cute little chubby friend who just like follows her around adorable so yeah there's murder yeah there there is that darker theme but it's not it doesn't get into any of the gruesome details of that they're much more fun humorous using the murder as a device plot device for us to get to know these characters and their surrounding families and kind of shifting completely away from the sort of lighter fun and this is definitely a darker novel that i'm about to talk with but still just as cool and nuanced and dynamic um we have the end of men by christina sweeney baird um so this is sort of looked at as a archaeological and anthropological anthropological and sort of archaeological but more a sociological and anthropological study of what happens to a society that is affected by a plague very similar to what we went through with coronavirus but also very different you'll see why in a second because as the title states the end of men um, all of a sudden in glasgow we have a woman who works in a hospital and she this is 2025 also so it's very near to the future i think also the author who is only a year older than i am which is like crazy how she wrote this fantastic novel um but she did start writing it before the pandemic um it just happened to kind of come out now and coincide with a lot of the fears and things we're experiencing in real life um but the virus quickly becomes a global pandemic that is affecting only the male population so pretty much 95 percent of the population of men dies and passes away and so what's great about this novel and what i think is very different and engaging is it not only deals with this sort of dystopian pandemic that also feels very real that was certainly prevalent in fiction and novels before COVID is definitely made much more aware but it deals yes it deals with the pandemic and as it's actually happening but then it also deals with how society rebuilds itself and really the sort of circle that's incomplete with you know starting from the very first virus incident the very first deaths and tracing how that came to adapting to a world mostly without men and how the different people and the different women whose perspectives we get, um, we get different women's perspectives from all over the world. When we get the perspective of one of the women who's helping to develop the vaccine, we get the perspective of one of the women who is developing, you know, how to keep newborn babies alive. We get the perspective of a woman who is on the front line. So we get all these different women and their different perspectives all over the world and see how the virus is treated differently, but also very similar. Um, It's really just, you know, while there is a lot of loss and hard 
stuff and topics at the beginning. There is this sense of resilience and what happens when people come together and have to deal with this massive trauma, but still have to go on and live their lives. And I think that this is a really interesting take on it now that we're sort of in the the tail end of the pandemic and things are hopefully trending upwards. It's interesting to look back and see what a similar but not too similar pandemic and how a different fictional world and society uh, deals with it. It's, you know, the comparisons and the the differences, you know, are fascinating. And it's, you know, crazy to think that it could happen to anybody, just like coronavirus could happen to anybody. Um, although in this case, it was just men and I'm not a man. But to think what a world without men would be like and how it would come about is really interesting and well thought out in this one. And next we have White Magic by Alyssa Washuta. Um, this was just a really great collection of short essays and personal vignettes um, written by Alyssa Washuta. Um, some of them are more personal essays, more explorations into her white identity and her sort of her white facing identity. Um, she presents as white, but does um, have, I believe her family is Native American and she um, deals with sort of what it's like to grapple with those dual identities. Um, she also, you know, takes that sort of personal aspect of her identity, tracing it all the way back to colonization and how women and were othered and how also the instances of witchcraft appear and how magic is even, you know, alienated, or I'm sorry, like magic is, you know, put into these categories of black and white, just like race and how that's perceived and how her own personal magical journey, you know, she considers herself a witch but in a very cool way. I mean, I wouldn't by any, you know, the title says white magic. She considers herself a witch. I would definitely say this is a witchy book. Of course, there's Stevie Nicks praise throughout it, but there is also a really cool, like, fictional Oregon Trail, Oregon Trail, um, you know, what happens in a dystopian Oregon Trail novel and what happens when Twin Peaks is your favorite show and influences a lot of your life and your writing and sort of seeps into your consciousness. Well, if any of that intrigues you, um, it's definitely a little bit of a longer one. I believe it was around 400 pages. It's not exactly telling me. Um, but again, because it is essays that all flow together, you can definitely pick it up, read an essay, half of an essay, put it down, head on over to a fictional novel that I'm going to be talking about in a second, and then, you know, sort of go back and forth. So you can dabble in white magic. You don't have to go all the way in at first. And next, we have The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. Um, this is a good old-fashioned thriller that's definitely darker um, and less focused on the romance aspect and more on, like, the personal growth and development. Not that that doesn't happen in the other ones, but more of, like, a, you know, much more uh, the crime is nuanced and developed um, because in our story, The Last Thing He Told Me, um, there is a man named Owen Michaels. He is married to our protagonist, Hannah. Um, Owen is missing. And, you know, that's sort of a classic. At first, I was like, okay, well, how many stories start off with, oh, the wife doesn't know where the husband is, and it turns into some whole, like, FBI, espionage thing, and, oh, he was laundering money, you know, something sort of like a basic, neatly wrapped bow. And while the case does certainly take elements of that aspect, it plays with them in a really nice way um, that focuses more on the relationship between Hannah and Owen and their past and why Owen chose to um, be with Hannah and hide certain things, but also reveal certain things in unexpected ways. Um, there's also a lot of really great development between Hannah and her stepdaughter, Bailey, who Owen left in Hannah's care. Um, we find out, you know, Hannah is... 
of course, the number one suspect. She sort of takes things into her own hands, takes Bailey along with her. So the journey that they go through together to figure out this missing man's past and this missing man who was a father to a young girl, Bailey, who is 16 at the time, just sort of recounting instances from her childhood that she's repressed and things that are coming to the light. So there's all those really heavy things surrounding just the typical, you know, like what happened to Owen. Of course, that's like the main focus of this, but it's really about these two women at different points in their lives who at the start of the novel really were in a frayed relationship. And because this man is missing now have to try to fix that and put that together. And of course, um, there are some twists and turns with the central, you know, what happened to Owen? Why is he missing? Why um, do they have to go on this journey? All of that is really well developed and thought out. And I definitely just like kept reading it very speedily and wanted it to soak in while also being like, okay, I need, I need to know sort of what happened. Um, and it gives you as good as a resolution as you would expect from this well-written book. And last but certainly not least, we have a bit of an older favorite. And by older, I mean 1998. We're, we're delving back to the late 90s. Um, we have The Tribes of Palos Verdes by Joe Joy Nicholson. Um, so this was actually made into a movie like four years ago, and I haven't yet seen it. But I think either like a trailer for the movie or something about this book showed up somewhere. And I was like, that sounds cool. Why haven't I read it? And it's a very like sparse novel but like a lot goes on like when I first read it at first it almost like the words take a little bit to sink in and like the characters take a little bit to sink in and at first it makes you like uncomfortable um the main character Medina Mason is very like weird and awkward and she is our lens into the tribes of Palos Verdes the titular um tribes are actually like surfing tribes and surfing is how she forms her way into the community when she doesn't feel comfortable at school. Um, she has a very fractured family. Um, her parents move them to Palos Verdes to sort of start over, and her husband, uh, her father is a very prominent doctor, um, and her mother is going through a lot of mental health issues, and those mental health issues become very present with her physical appearance, and that causes her children to have a lot of embarrassment. Um, there's also a really weird twist. There's just, like, this weird relationship between Medina and her brother, who is such a fractured character, and her brother has such a weird, like, twisted like Norman Batesy relationship with his mom but you also just like see him desperately wanting to get out and you see how like Medina is a lot stronger in that aspect of like resisting the pull of her toxic parents and trying to forge her own path um but also just like a confused 16 year old girl who's just like falling in love for the first time and like learning how to surf and just like trying to be a young girl in California while dealing with this horrible mess of her family um and I am now excited to watch the movie. Um, maybe you've read it if you have read it before, since this is probably the oldest book I've talked about so far on the podcast. That's a first. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Um, if you've seen the movie, let me know your thoughts. Um, maybe I'll watch it soon. It's on my list. I just, you know, have so much to watch. Um, she's written another book, too, which I bought, which came out in the past, like, 10 years or so. Haven't read that yet. Just, again, so much to read, but I'll get there. Um, but check that out if you haven't already, or if you read it 20... 1998, 2008, 2008, 23 years ago when it did first come out, maybe revisit it and see how much you've changed. And even though the text is the same, you know, what what you can pull from it a second read. Um, So we got the afternoon vibes of craziness and all over the place, but I hope you enjoyed and can take at least one of these books with you to read at your next uh, whim. And <laughs> until next time, stay reading. Bye. Bye.